0: Julie. Hey Lisa, long time no talk. I know,
1: (laughs) lots of developments going on too, like we've had kind of a crazy crazy last, what is it, I don't even know, 24 hours now, right?
0: Yeah, so we recorded a podcast which we released yesterday on Thursday and um, with Sarah Mulcahy where we talked about how the BAA was going to be announcing momentarily a decision with respect to Boston 2020 and then about an hour after we recorded, boss, the BAA made their announcement and we thought it was really important today to come on and just kind of hash it out and talk about all of the different variables and uh, just talk about it with anyone who is processing the information as we are and just informally discuss it and, and roll out this episode today so that anyone who just wants to hear some thoughts on it can do so since we all can't get together right now and talk about it personally. So Lisa, why don't you go ahead and just uh, provide the quick and dirty with respect to the decision for anyone who hasn't heard.
1: So it was a little bit of a a surprise. I mean, we kind of had in our heads, we knew it was likely to be canceled based on on everything that's going on. Uh, But what we, I don't think we really expected was that it would be uh, turned into a virtual race, which was- No. that was like added a whole new spin to it, and one of our runners uh, that we coach wrote me yesterday and said, "My head is like exploding with processing this," and that's why, like said, we wanted to to talk through this. So, um, so the race has been turned into a virtual race, where any runner registered for who was accepted into, who had an entry into the 2020 Boston Marathon, regardless of whether they requested a refund. Um, BAA, as we've talked about before, very generously offered anybody who wanted a refund, a a refund, and um, some people accepted that, some held on with hope that it would be in September. So offered anybody who had been uh, registered for this year's Boston the opportunity to run it virtually and submit a time which will not be official. It will not be a time that it can be used to qualify for future Boston Marathons, but to submit a time has to be finished um, between September seventh and fourteenth, and uh, within a six-hour continuous time frame. So you can't do it over a couple of days or you can't split it up. Um, but over a six-hour continuous time frame, and uh, you'll get your shirt, and medal, and a bib mailed to you. And uh, you know, I think what that has. Sort of uh, done um, is a couple things. First of all, uh, it's it's now requiring a lot of runners to consider: do they want to run twenty six point two miles in September, um, where the time isn't really counting for qualifying? Um, so, uh, what does that training look like? What does that look like in terms of execution? Uh, what does it look like in terms of recovery after that? Uh, and and what's what's the approach? And then the second thing it does, it has sort of some uh, you know domino ramifications that. The, the effect of this is that uh, they have ex- the, the BAA has extended the qualification window for 2021 uh, back to ba- basically retroactively to what the qualifying window was for 2020. So September 2018, any races run September 2018 through registration, which will be in September 2020. Typically, it's you know it would have been September 2019 through registration. So any times that were used to qualify for Boston for this year can be submitted again when registering for next year. Now, the catch is there's always a cutoff for, for registry. So you may qualify for Boston, but uh, depending on the number of qualifiers that register, acceptances are done on a rolling basis based on qualifying time. So how much, you how, if you've qualified by 10 minutes or five minutes or one minute, um, so it may fill before you actually get in. And last year, I forget the exact cutoff. Was it a minute and minute and something, a couple minutes? I don't even remember the exact cutoff from last year. But um, theoretically, in this case, somebody, let's say, who qualified for Boston by three minutes and made it in to this year's race, so was supposed to run in April, um, could reapply next year with their three-minute buffer, but if there were too many People who register for next year who are faster that qualifying cutoff may be five minutes and that person who had three minutes will no longer um, will no longer get a spot so that's something that you know a lot of people are are nervous about and we're talking to some of our runners about um, but that's that's kind of it in a nutshell
0: yeah that was really well explained and I think that I think the BAA is doing the, they can under really tough circumstances, but we were definitely upset for those runners who are registered for 2020, and now, and that includes all of us, um, but particularly the runners where it's a close call, and now they have to wonder, will that time that worked for 2020 work for 2021? And there's a couple of thoughts about it. First of all, one comfort is that, like we talked about on our podcast yesterday, the BAA really works hard to make things fair, and this inherently is unfair, but there are some things that they can do to make it more fair, and one thing, of course, is to increase the field. Now, we've had Dave McGillvaray on a couple of times, and he's clear that it's difficult to increase the field on the streets of Hopkinton to Boston, but... It is possible. It was done in 2014 and it was done um, when Boston celebrated its 100 year anniversary. Um, So I believe the field was increased by about 5,000 in 2014, Lisa? No, I think it was about.
1: It was a little. I think it was 2,000. I think or under 2,000. But in in the the hundredth anniversary celebration, it was 36,000 runners. I think it was. So it was right. So there is some some wiggle room. There is some. I I, I think that the BA is going to have to look at what do the numbers look at look like when they come in, in September. You know, is it you know is it just an extra thousand people that are trying to get in? Is it an extra five thousand people? And then have to see. What that um, you know? What that uh, what that looks like?
0: Yeah. So to that, and I, I do think that they're they're going to do the best they can with what they have to make it as fair as possible. That being said, it's inherently unfair, and we know, and we feel it, and we feel horrible. There are so many people who've worked so hard, and it's just the thought of being accepted. Preparing for 2020, having it canceled, waiting, and then having it canceled again, and now not being deferred, and instead being told, you have to put your name back in the hat. It's just, it's really, it's really tough, and I just feel so badly about the whole thing, and I just want all, all of the runners listening out there to know that while we understand the parameters, and we, we talk so highly of the BAA, and we understand what they're working with, we also are greatly disappointed and and recognize how hard this is and and feel and feel it and really want to do everything we can to make it better. So that's kind of why we're here right now. We just want to talk it through and just acknowledge that this is inherently unfair and we, we see it, we feel it. Yeah, I think. I mean, look—it's nobody's fault. There are are a lot of unfair
1: situations that are happening right now, and um, disappointments that everyone is having to face. Maybe it's a wedding that had to be canceled or postponed. Maybe it's camp, summer camp for kids. Maybe it's you know a trip that somebody had planned and. It just sucks and there's no like there are no two ways about it I think given the, the circumstances the BAA has put a lot a lot a lot of thought into this to me the fact that they're offering a refund to anybody who wants still offering a refund there is information that will be coming out that will still give runners the option to take a refund and still do the virtual race and still get your shirt and your medal so knowing that a race organization has Um, a lot of expenses that are already sunk and a lot of these race organizations, even big ones like the BA are really suffering for them to be offering, you know, so like I think somebody said the other day, yesterday, how often will you ever get to run the Boston marathon for free? Because we have no travel expenses. You could get a refund if you want. Um, you know, it's not the Boston marathon. It's not the same. We know that for sure. But how often do you get that chance to, to say you're a Boston marathon finisher, uh, for free? So I think that's very, very generous of of the BAA. And, um, you know, I just wanted to mention one other subgroup of runners that that we're thinking about, and many of our runners that we coach fall into this, are runners who were on par to have a Boston qualifying marathon in the spring of this year. So who were doing... We're ready to have a race in April and we have several of them who were signed up for marathons in March and April who were on par to qualify, which would have put them in the 2021 um, pool for qualifying and who didn't get that chance and now don't see a chance coming down the pike. And and for those runners, what we're telling our runners and what we recommend people do is look at some of the smaller marathons that may still be on the calendar for um, early, you know, August, early September, and, and kind of just keep your eye on them. Maybe if you're, if you feel comfortable financially and, um, you know, want to take a risk, you could, you could actually register for, for a race and, um, and, and use that as a, as a hopeful plan. Um, but that I think for, I really feel for those runners as well that had really had their eyes set on qualifying for next year's Boston Marathon, and now that is harder for them as well because again, this qualifying window may be um, larger, or well, the the, the um, buffer may be larger if there are more people actually qualifying. So there are a lot of different, you know, thinking down the road as, as how this affects not only Boston but other marathons uh, is really. I, I think if there are any small marathons that can find a way to to go off in with under the parameters of the CDC guidelines and their local and state
0: guidelines. They'll, be full, they'll fill up. For sure. And there's no reason why a marathon can't, a smaller marathon can't sort of reconfigure the start if it's safe and make it look a little bit different. It would still be a marathon on a Boston certified course. So it, it could possibly be done in some areas, we're, it's not our place to make that decision or, or guess, but we're saying if that opportunity is available, it is something to consider. And the other thing to think about, and we know everyone's thought about this already, but it's important to restate, is that all of the marathons are being canceled. So it's not the pool, ideally for 2021, which will include that larger window that Lisa just referenced. The window is is longer, however, the number of races. Is not commensurate with the length of the window, so it's not like all these people are out running marathons right now, and the the pool of of qualifiers is that much bigger. So there is hope that more people will be accepted than we realize in 20, for 2021, because while there certainly will be more qualifiers, many of those qualifiers are duplicates. In other words, people who qualified in 20 for 2020. And 2021, and and so that's something else to consider. Lisa, I just wanted to answer the previous question we had, which was the cutoff for the 2019 race. Um, 2019 Boston Marathon entrant cutoff time was four minute 452. Right,
1: 2019. But what was 2020? What was the cutoff for 2020? Uh, twenty twenty. Yes, that was that was after they changed. Yeah, so it went down to like. Uh, a, yep. It was one thirty something. So that one thirty nine. Right, yeah. So somebody who qualified by two minutes and made it in for this year may not qualify for for next year. So, um, so now now the big question though for um, runners and anyone who's listening who was uh supposed to run the Boston Marathon was whether or not to now run this virtual race and that is a big question the first um kind of consideration being that the time itself won't count for for anything so not for anything but the time won't count for qualifying it's not going to be in a results uh list it's not going to be certified it's uh really you you run the rate you run the distance you submit your time and you will get your your swag so um so my initial thought personally for myself uh, was, first of all, you know, i run the Boston Marathon. This would have been my 17th year and I don't really want to give up my streak, even if it's a virtual, if it's a virtual one. So while typically I've talked about this before a lot on the podcast, I don't like virtual races. The idea of going out and running 26.2 miles by myself, not so fun. I'm hoping by my thought is by September, maybe we can do it with a friend or even if you have maybe um, people meet you along the way to run shorter segments of it um but the thought of doing that on my own is a little uh a little intimidating um but but i would want to do it but my personal thought is that i'm not going to be racing it i don't need to run it for any particular time so i'm gonna put in the minimal training in terms of mileage to get there so the minimal strain on my body now that being said 26.2 miles is still a lot of strain on on anyone's body so that will require recovery after. But um, I'm thinking of a kind of a minimalist training plan with long runs no longer than maybe 16 to 18 miles and then running an easy, an easy pace and then having a, a good amount of recovery time after. So, um, you know, we're talking to our runners and, and I think, uh, you know, taking into account a lot of considerations and maybe you want to talk a little bit about that kind of a, a decision tree that we've sort of broken it down into.
0: Yeah, sure. So my thought about the opportunity to do the virtual race is, again, I think it was, I commend the BAA. I think it's a fabulous idea, but it is a virtual race. It's pretend. So uh, it's something that you have to want to do. So if it's something you have to ask yourself when deciding whether to do the virtual race, is this something that I feel would be good for my body? Is this something that would allow me to do something positive that wouldn't set me back too much, that would not have a negative effect on my body? And then part two of the decisions tree similarly is, is this something that would have a negative or positive effect on my mind? So the purpose of the virtual race obviously is to do the best we can to simulate Boston, but it isn't Boston and there shouldn't be any pressure to do it by virtue of the fact that the virtual race is called Boston. It's not the Boston Marathon. It's a Boston Marathon simulator to allow us to feel part of a community on the, on, around the time that the race was supposed to take place. If participating in that exercise is going to cause you negative feelings or stress or injury, potentially, then don't do it. No problem. It, it will not impact your life. Negatively, to not do the race, does that? It's a double negative or triple negative. If you don't do the race, it's not going to cause a negative impact on your life. If you do do the race and it's positive, it could be a really positive experience for you. If you do do the race and it's negative, i.e., it causes some injury because your body just isn't there for whatever reason, then it could also be negative. So really think carefully about it and and know that it's there's no right or wrong answer and it's something that you and only you can decide and don't feel like you're missing out on something if you decide not to take the opportunity. It's okay. Um, you, you aren't. It's whatever works for you should be the right decision. There is no wrong decision. Do you have anything to add?
1: Yeah, I think, I think runners too have to think about the training. So some people really are, struggle in the summer. So if trying to get in some longer training runs, whether those are a typical, you know, marathon training schedule, like 20 milers and several of them, or you're going to do a bare bones, you know, is training through the summer, is that something that that is, is again, going to be difficult for you, be hard on your body? Uh, so that's, that's definitely some people have been uh, training maybe all summer. Um, you know, our runners haven't been doing this as much. We've kind of taken the mileage back and, and worked on some speed, but maybe some runners did keep their mileage up in, in the thoughts of, you know, kind of continuing through whatever, and can you keep that mileage up all summer and, and, and safely make it to, um, to, to September when you're, when you're going to be running, you know, the virtual race. So I think you really have to look at the training too. Does that fit with your life? Is that something at a time we've talked about this before too, where your immune system is really, uh, protecting your immune system is critical. Is this a strain that you want to put, your body through. So, uh, I, I, think a lot of our runners are, are tending towards the, uh, who want to do it, who really, you know, a lot, especially a lot of runners who this would be their first Boston marathon. So people who just really want to do it to, to be able to say, I, I, I did whatever it was that Boston was this year. Uh, the, 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 the thought really is, let's do a minimal training just so I can finish it safely. I can finish that distance safely in whatever time it takes me. And then I can at least check that off and say that I completed that. That That's what this year's Boston Marathon is running somewhere on your own within a six-hour time period, 26.2 miles. So that's what Boston is this year. So that, yeah. that's, that's what many – and I think that is really – like you were talking about kind of the mental, is this going to be good for you mentally? If, if you can shift your mental focus to that, and that feels good to you. And that feels like, again, looking at the training, is this something, some people are just burned out too. They're just not, not wanting to put in more training. And uh, this week we had a lot of heat and humidity. So some people may be really down on training and the thought of three months of putting in some training is just not, not appealing. So like you said, then that's okay. Then, then you don't do it. There's no record book this year. There's no trip to Boston. There's no start line. There's no finish line, unfortunately, and you won't be, be missing anything. And hopefully you get in for next year. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole other topic that we just talked about. But um, yeah, so I think you do That's You have to do that. Look at what physically and mentally is going to work for you, but also the, the training, because you, you some people can go out and run 26.2 miles without doing anything all summer, but to be safe and to to finish it without injury, it's probably a good idea to have some base of training.
0: For sure, and then the other part of it that's pretty cool is we've mentioned on our podcast before, but the Parks Half Marathon, which is a there's an opportunity where if one wanted to, they could actually do both. So you could register for the Parks Half Marathon and get that medal. And then also run Boston. So I think that's so cool. But, but here's a question: Do you
1: have to stop your watch halfway through at 13.1 to get that like time recorded, and then do it again? And can you submit two 13.1s to Boston? Is my question. You know what I mean? Where two
0: watches? I don't know. I think I think that Don Schulman, the director of the Parks Half Marathon, would be so one. thrilled if Boston Marathoners and in- I think, I think Don would be just fine with taking the 26.2 time. Um, obviously, you ran parks within it. and Maybe um, we, two parks medals and two parks premiums. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, and the parks premium this year. By the way, we are not sponsoring or sponsored by parks. We just love the race. Um, the premium for parks this year is so cool. Like, the, Did you see it's tie-dye? It's like a really – cool metal and premium. So well, the I mentioned a real-
1: hat, which the, here in our area, the Park Staff Marathon premiums are always like, first of all, we're all wearing them now because, uh, was it last year? Or two years ago, it was a buff. So I constantly wear my Parks Half Marathon tie-dye buff. Um, so uh, the, the premium is always a really uh, ubiquitous uh, item that you see around on on runners. It, it was the shirts for many years, and now it's like the buff or or a winter hat. And this year is a pretty cool winter hat too. And the, and yes, the medals are groovy. So any and, and now the beauty is is that you don't have to live here to run the Parks Half Marathon. So uh, search up Parks Half Marathon Montgomery County Maryland. And, uh, and, and register, and you too can, can kill two birds with one stone and run both Boston and the
0: Park Half Marathon virtually. Um, we can link it to the show notes in this episode. So any, any other aspects of this that you wanted to discuss? I feel like there's gonna be more information coming out about the details with respect to the virtual race and what that means, and, and as regist- things of- Registration. Registration. And as things evolve, we'll have more information, we'll discuss it, but we just thought it was really important today to come on and just talk about it and acknowledge that it's just a craptastic situation all around and it's yeah. tough, but
1: I we'll think keep... so that I think everyone should um, feel okay being sad about it you know, yeah. well, more important thing, you know, it was the right decision. It had to be done this year and there it's nobody's fault. And it feels a little sometimes, uh, you know, petty to be sad about missing a marathon, but I, I think it's okay to feel that way and uh, to feel that disappointment. This is a big, you know, this was on the news yesterday here in our area about the cancellation of Boston Marathon. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a big, I think it's a, a um, just a, a symbol of how much our world has been impacted by this pandemic where things that have happened, taken place for years and decades and hundreds of years can't take place this year. Things that people were, you know, count on doing every year or certain times of the year, just we've had to really change our lives. And, um, you know, so I think that, I think it's okay to be sad and to be disappointed. And like I said, especially the people that I feel particularly bad for those people who were supposed to be there for the first time this year and have worked so hard to qualify for Boston. That's a really tough, um, tough, tough call. And I I just hope that most or all of them can be there next year. Also the charity runners and those that got in, you know, on charity bibs or on other bibs that are um, distributed by the BAA. Those are people who don't have qualifying time. So what happens to them? uh, We have, a couple of runners in particular who who were in that situation and they don't know if they're going to be able to get a bib for next year. So again, runners who really worked hard, who maybe who raised funds, uh, which obviously still go to a great cause. But there's a lot of it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be sad, and hopefully the comeback is sweeter than the setback, and we end up uh, you know on that start line next year feeling euphoric because we are all back together,
0: just like in twenty. 20- yeah. That, that would be the goal. I, I know for me, um, yesterday after we heard the news, I just went, I went for a walk by myself and just kind of processed it. And I just kind of thought about all of our runners who um, worked so hard to get to the point where they could hit submit and register and heard about their acceptance and how happy we were for them and, this doesn't take away that accomplishment at all. You are still a runner, a Boston qualifier. Nobody is taking that away. This this counts as that and always will. Um, and you deserve to run the Boston Marathon, but it doesn't take away from that accomplishment. I was thinking also about Conroy, who was on our podcast last month and his journey and how many times he's had to work to qualify and he finally did by a large margin and that doesn't take away from his accomplishment whatsoever, but he and so many others deserve to be at that start line this year. And we're just so sorry that you can't. And we really, like you said, hope that when we are all together at that start line, we hope that it's just so glorious because as Dave McGilvray says, the comeback is always sweeter than the setback. I was thinking, I don't, it's been such a long time. I kind of forgot, but I sent, Lisa, I, I sent you a text yesterday because I was like, you know, I was thinking about this. Do you realize this time last year? Yeah, I had this knee surgery and then we were on our podcast and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna try if I can to rehab and we'll see, but maybe I'll be able to run a marathon by September 14th so that I can try and qualify for twenty twenty. And so I flew out to Chicago last year in September and ran a marathon so that I could register and call up money. And it's just so crazy. Um, So my story is not unique, but I just am sharing because I feel it. I think we're all feeling it. And... Boston's important to anyone who's run it, and it's important to anyone who plans to run it. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast, we know it's important to you. This is a Boston Marathon podcast. That's why we started this podcast. And if you can't be sad and process your feelings in this space, well, then you can't process them anywhere because we welcome it here. Um, It's a very important race to us, and we completely understand your frustration and sadness. Um, So yeah, we'll continue talking about it and we're going to continue bringing you content over the summer and working hard to keep you company during your training and ensuring for those who are doing training for the virtual race or whatever race you choose to train for, or if you're just running, that you have all the information you need to reach your fullest potential, even in a pandemic. Anything else, Lisa? Nope. That (laughs) sounds like I said.
1: I'm, 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 holding on to that hope and that, that vision of being back in Boston because we will be back in Boston one day. Uh, and it will be, it will be wonderful. So I'm holding on to that and hoping that everyone who's listening gets that opportunity one day too.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, we'll see everyone this Thursday for our next episode, but in the meantime, have a great week, Lisa. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the run farther and faster Boston Marathon Podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.